So you may have noticed over the last few weeks that Tim has not been on the show and we were waiting for a while to see what we were going to do. We still don't know exactly what to do going forward, but Tim has decided to step away from the show, um, possibly indefinitely, but possibly we can get him back at some point. Uh, we're hoping that he will want to return, um, but there's no bad blood between us. You know, we all we're all still friends and everything like that, but he's not going to be on the show going forward. We're all going to miss Tim. And uh, should our schedules realign, we'd be happy to have him back. In the meantime, we're going to try out a bunch of guests on the show to uh, create more of a community feeling, as we've been doing so far. Uh, we may invite some of our and your favorites back. Uh, nobody is replacing Tim. Uh, the idea right now that we're floating is maybe kind of uh, instituting some kind of revolving chair. Uh, where uh, a certain amount of people could come back uh, once a month or so, so we could establish an ongoing rapport with them. Uh, and uh, if there's anyone that you'd like to see on the show, of course, you could just let us know at forums.intercredit.com. And uh, we're going to be experimenting with the uh, format going forward uh, so that we can find something natural while still keep spirit of everything. And uh, if you if there's anything you'd like to see on the show, the whole reason we're still doing this is because you're still listening. We absolutely want to hear from you. Uh, just go on over to forums.insertcredit.com, and uh, that's where we can talk about the future of Insert Credit. I do want to mention that we want to keep the, the sort of friendship camaraderie vibe going on that we've had throughout the podcast. I think it's one of the most important things that we have here is is the the vibe of several friends who have known each other for a really long time talking about stuff in a way that feels new and new yet familiar. So we're really going to try to keep that going, keep the focus on things you may not have heard of going. And, you know, there is no replacing Tim. That's not a possibility, frankly. He is a singular human being who you can't just slot someone in there and expect it to work, which is why we're going to try some different things, try a rotating cast potentially, and just see what winds up feeling like it still gives you that, you know, you kind of know what to expect out of an episode vibe, but also give you some, some new spice and unexpected things happening. So mm -hmm. I'm hopeful that we can make something work that will make the podcast not the same as before, but different and still interesting. So uh, that's what we're going to aim for. Please uh, give us your support as much as you can because we're still figuring it out. But I'm kind of happy with how it's been going so far. I think, um, you know, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Action button on YouTube, I guess. Uh, that's where he is. I mean, you all know that. Like 90% of you are here from his thing. Hey. Uh <laughs> hey. <laughs> I've seen M the numbers, maybe, Brandon. Maybe 85. 85. 85. 85%. I'll be charged. Yeah, I'll, I'll say 80. Uh, yeah, 20% of you are the true doom murderers. But we all, uh, if you came from Tim or wherever you came from, I hope you stick around. I hope you find something valuable and interesting and worthwhile and insert credit. And we still so got the goods. We're going to keep bringing it to you. All right. Okay. <laughs> now this is podcast. Yeah, that's, that's what I call podcasting. get the lobster then you get the taxi put them both together it's lobster and taxi this is episode 175 of insert credit the relentlessly paced talk show where a panel of video game experts must reach consensus on a series of 10 topics of my choosing 
in no more than six minutes each. I'm Alex Jaffe, and if I had to guess the plot for the last season of Riverdale, I would say that Dilton Doily opens a portal to the show from the actual Archie comic book. Who does what now? (laughs) (laughs) My name is frank cefaldi and if i had to guess the plot from the last season of riverdale is that is that the correct for the last wording? season of riverdale. for the okay so it hasn't happened yet got it no um uh it would probably involve some draculas and some time travel i mean it sure. kind of seems like it's just kind of going i've only seen you know a couple episodes just from my wife sort of marathoning it and me walking in and uh no disrespect for the show i actually think it's uh pretty clever but um i think to ultimately realize the vision of that show, it's got to go for, like, the worst soap opera tropes possible. Yeah, but the thing is, Draculas and time travel are things in Archie, so that would actually make it more faithful. Oh, it's in the comics, not in the show, though. It doesn't matter. I don't care. That's, All this right. is where they're going. Yeah. Everything's in Archie. Archie's done everything. That's Archie true. hung out with the Punisher. He did. <laughs> well, I'm Brandon Sheffield. If I had to guess the last season of Riverdale, who, who do we got? We got Jughead. We got Veronica. We got mm-hmm. Archie. Yep. Mm-hmm. Betty. And several more. Okay, Betty. Big Moose. Moose. Um, yeah, all, all your favorites from the comics. All, all, yeah. all your all your double digest friends. I'm, I'm pretty sure I have looked at the comic one time. You've seen the covers I've seen your covers. entire life at the grocery store. Sure. Yeah, part of fun. And um, if you read every cover, it tells a story. I never did. Oh. Uh, but that's fun. I didn't know that. Anyway, I'm going to say they're going to do um, a Scooby-Doo crossover. For their final season. I think the fans have been asking for it, I and uh, I think that's what we're going to see. Maybe Garfield also. Supernatural did it, and that's another CW show. It's within the realm of possibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to introduce our guest this week. Uh, joining us is General Social Gadabout and the man who invented Let's Plays, Topher Doc Future Florence. <laughs> Hi. Uh, well, I think they're currently in Riverdale. They are literally having Jughead investigate alien abductions. So I guess for the final season to be more fantastic, maybe they shrink down and go inside the human body. I, I don't know. <laughs> Inner space. <laughs> well, if, uh, if, if you get the Scooby-Doo thing, it could be magic school bus, but with the mystery van. Sure. It's, it's all coming together. Well, the way we start episodes of Insert Credit this season is that I pull a question from our backlog and have us uh, double back to it. Previously on Insert Credit, episode 31, February 2013. John Simpson asked, design a game for the Star Trek holodeck. Oh. Hopscotch. <laughs> the holodeck is, I, I, I don't remember exactly if we got stymied by this last time, but the holodeck is a tough one because you can do anything there. Right. And, uh, that is and, exactly what you said last time. <laughs> doesn't surprise me. <laughs> well, the, the, the first thing that comes to mind for me is facade, except it works. Yeah. So I don't know if you've, you've, you've all played Facade, right? I thought about it. Yeah, so you're like trying to stop a holographic divorce? Is that <laughs> yeah, yes. That, that is the ultimate use of the holodeck is to stop a divorce. But no, I mean, like, if you have this tool and it, and it has actual intelligent people, uh, I do think you try to do something where you are socially interacting to solve a problem because that's sort of the new, you know, the emotion engine for real here. Right, now, um, now what actually is a good idea if you're going on social games, like a, a genuinely what you want to do in a holiday is do the, you know, mafia werewolf among us kind of thing. Mm. That'd be a good idea. If you had like actual AI actors who were as good as humans and you have to go, you know, fix yeah, something up, sort of a single player version of that. Exactly. But I get, I guess that's sort of what, uh, 
what all of those episodes that we hate are about. It's like, oh, Data's a private dick, and he's got to solve this mystery with all these AI characters that have they, they've come to life there. <laughs> so it could be fun, but it wouldn't be fun to watch. But that doesn't matter. No, we're not. We're designing a game to play, not yeah, to, to watch on Star Trek. Yeah. Since the last time this happened, uh, the Orville came out. And, and one thing that they did on the Orville's holodeck, uh, which I thought was kind of fun, is have um, like a, an established thing. Like, you know, Worf wants to fight a powerful warrior. But in the Orville... The powerful warrior has like a silly goofball personality who's like, oh, hey, guys, how's it going? And uh, I feel like we could do more with that because the holodeck is so often like replicating real reality. Why don't we make it like everybody's really they're all robots, but they talk like Hello Kitty characters, or, yeah. you know, like something, something extra wacky. Let's let's change You're describing it Roblox. <laughs> I guess that's right. What you could do if you wanted is have like the most fantastical virtual pet, sort of like a seaman. Yeah. Except for, you know, it actually works. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just you get uh, Jeff Kramer. And they, oh, and it, this works because um, didn't Leonard, Leonard Nimoy do some voices in there? Sure. He narrated that game. He narrated it. So, you know, it's all it's all kind of coming together on this holodeck thing with seaman. Mm. Yeah, Leonard, um, Leonard Nimoy's Spock character loved the holodeck. Yes, it was one of his favorite places to go play dress up. People write in about your favorite Spock episodes about the holodeck. <laughs> Look, technically, before they write in, there is one holodeck episode on Star Trek, the animated series. So Spock did enter a holodeck. I'm okay, thank you. Wow. All wow. right, you win the no prize this week. This is why uh, we invited you onto the show. <laughs> thank you. I mean, essentially, this is the same thing as asking, like, what would you do in a ready player one virtual reality scenario? Right. It's, it's literally yeah. the same, except that you don't have to put things on your head. And as far as that guy got, it was literally the game black tiger by Capcom, except from your perspective and uh, memorize the lines of a movie and say them again. Right. So those, those are his two with games. My favorite IPs. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I actually kind of think that that guy is a, a representation of what people actually desire which is to yeah I mean, circle like, circle the drain until they die go into the movie the terminator except you can't get hurt and you can say your own wild quips but you still want it to turn out the same way because right. you know you don't have any real imagination so you just want your fake friends to feel more like real friends for yeah. a minute yeah yeah that's what this show is all about yeah uh, <laughs> that's every podcast don't shortchange yourself <laughs> Anyway, yeah, right, um, actually, that would be probably a pretty good video game where it's just an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, but you get to write the quips. Yeah, that would be get, pretty you popular. Can, like, you can just nudge, nudge Arnold whenever you do it. Be like, eh, what do you think about that one? <laughs> Honestly, that's more realistic, like as a classical story than them doing like Shakespeare or whatever they do in the holodeck, you know? So, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, I always found it funny in those how they didn't want to date themselves. And so they would always choose something really really old yeah, uh, like that, like, that was their that was their solution to that was just go far back as possible but i feel like in the future there's gonna be they're gonna be talking about like i don't know riverdale not riverdale but you know they're gonna be talking about sure something something stupid like that i mean not that it's stupid you know what i mean give me two examples of contemporary things they're gonna be talking about 400 years from now terminator okay now i think okay 400 years 400 uh, years probably nothing but uh if we had to guess like the marvel movies i, think, I guess i think the beatles they'll they'll still talk about yeah. the beatles in 400 years yeah 
They'll still be repeating Simpsons jokes and saying the Simpsons predicted it instead of just recognizing that we haven't fixed anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably what they'll do. All right, that's Our next question. Which games in genres with traditionally minimal or completely absent narratives have the most compelling stories? Ooh, that's fun. Um... Like, you'd expect a big elaborate story from, say, an RPG, but where are some uh, unlikely sources of good stories? Oh, wait. So you're you're not saying what games that don't have narratives actually tell a good story anyway. You're saying which games would I not expect to have a good narrative but do? Um, that way you misinterpreted my question actually sounds more interesting, so go with that. Okay, so I've talked about this before, and it's very on-brand for me, but I really like in Bonk's Revenge how... Okay. When you get into the <laughs> to the village portion, all of the enemies that you've been defeating up till that point are just living in the city. And there's like a big matronly enemy character that's been hanging up laundry and you can go into their houses and stuff. And to me, that was like a it wasn't a fourth wall breaking, but it was an expectation breaking thing that made me tell the story of like how how this all came to be. It's. Not exactly like an amazing, compelling narrative, but that's the kind of thing that gets me thinking about stuff, which I appreciate. I like when uh, first person games have things written on the walls, like beware of the virus that is here now. Oh, yeah, that's always great. Yeah, that's, that's good story. That's real Hugo Award worthy stuff. Yeah, the zombies aren't nice. Yeah. I do think that when <laughs> Left 4 Dead did that the first time, I, I do feel like it was kind of clever because it wasn't all just stuff like that it was like i mean there there was you know the kind of like we were the true monsters sort of deal but there's also like regular conversations that humans would have or like indications about where there's health packs or whatever kind of stuff like people trying to help each other people trying to be jerks people just fooling around um and as we've discussed those kinds of wall markings are very uh on brand for humanity like I think we've talked about this here, but when they translated all those all those ancient runes, people got really excited. They were like, "We found all these runes in this cave, and we don't know what they mean, and we're gonna we're gonna translate them." They're like eight hundred years old, and it's all like you know, um, Eric was here, or <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Madeline's got big boobs, or whatever. It, it was it <laughs> like it was all just total nonsense that yeah. that people had taken the time to chip away into a wall rules like something like splatoon comes to mind where like you can tell in the background that it takes place tens of thousands of years after the fall of humanity that's not really important you know yeah. there's, a, there's a thing in the original super mario brothers where if you go into the game with the context of the weird like uh japanese story that the mushroom people have been cursed and turned into blocks yeah. and that's why they give you power-ups that changes your like narrative context for the game i think it's kind of the similar to what splatoon is doing weirdly <laughs> Mm -hmm. it's funny you bring up super mario brothers because i was just thinking about that but for different reasons which is that when i played it when it was contemporary um and you know a new impressive game something that it did that gave me a sense of narrative was that i don't remember which world is which but you get into a world and suddenly the the sky is black instead of blue and it's like showing the progression of time in a weird way like he's been on this journey for a really long time like that to me suddenly there was a narrative to super mario brothers and i thought that was cool do people try to do like pacifist runs of super mario brothers because all of the monsters are people they try to do any kind of run that they can do 
So I'm going to say yes. Yeah, there's people who literally play this game every day. So they come up with creative ways to continue playing that game every yeah, day. Yeah, there's there's that like no jumps or as minimal jumps run, which is quite something. Man, I know knees. there's some... I was thinking like Fez doesn't have a real narrative, but I like, I feel like I'm being led through, a spe- I guess actually maybe maybe Journey is is one of those examples where there's not like mm. a real narrative, but it's it's all just still... It's still got the same arc, but actually, I guess you expect it from that, so it doesn't fit the brief. Okay, um, let's go on to our next topic. What do you say okay. about that? I don't know. I was I was thinking we could probably find something else. All right, I'll give there. you five I've seconds d- to think about something else. I, I've decided to uh, save something I'm going to do for my recommendation at the end. So okay, well, right. uh, I'm going to say Katamari Katamari Damacy again is a yeah. weird action game where you wouldn't expect it to have a good story, and it actually is a pretty compelling narrative about um absentee parenting really <laughs> and uh and Not about a, chi- a child's desire to um please the parents and the parents um like peaks and valleys of interest and indifference i think that's actually pretty good oh and another one is ribbit king i love ribbit king um that's a golf game about hitting a frog with a mallet so that it will jump and bounce on things and make combos and it's just full of um, practically Mitch Hedberg sketches where they're, they're just like tiny one-liners in, in the interstitial stuff, but it actually is a pretty funny story in its own way. So uh, th- those are the two that I'm, that I'm putting up. I will say there isn't a good story in Soul Calibur, but that didn't stop Avi, the kid I knew in school, from telling me about it every single day. <laughs> All right. Our next question. What would Animal Crossing be like if Tom Nook was the villain that internet memes make him out? Isn't he, though? No, <laughs> not really. He doesn't charge you any interest at all. He doesn't have any, like, deadlines for you to pay him. He just presents you with this really nice life that you can just have forever. And the idea that, like, oh, Animal Crossing is this capitalist nightmare is just kind of this uh, mimetic distortion. I feel like I need to know what happens if you don't pay him, though. Like, if, Nothing. if well, so in the grand scheme, say the newest one, uh, was that New Horizons? Yeah. Um, I'm on an island and I'm stuck there. And my only way off is these tickets that I need to buy. So like, you know, what happens if I don't pay the piper in this case? I guess I'm uh, I'm stuck on this island until I die. I don't know. Go to a friend's <laughs> island? I guess the I... The way off is yeah. to have any friends whatsoever. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. If you were actually a real villain, I think there would be a lot more objectives in the game that's for sure right here's the thing in, in, in new horizons there is sort of like a weird uh, it's weird to say gamification inside of a game but like there's all these little mini tasks for you to do throughout the day to earn nook miles so that's kind of that's sort of a, a weird sort of evil gig economy sort of thing oh but yeah i i, I figure like if, if he was actually like if he could like repossess your house and you were really just stuck there uh, like on this little, you know, small. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine what would be what would your conversations with the animals would be like. Would you have to move in with one of the other animals? Would or would they all be broke like you? Or because that'd be inside, kind of a whole different story. You'd be uh, you'd be chopping down trees to make a lean to instead right. of uh, living in a house. And then Tom Nook would call the cops on you for illegally squatting on his island, his private island that he runs. Okay. Also, I'm thinking about. Villains who own private islands usually build big skull fortresses. Usually they would pit you against each other in Mortal Kombat. That's usually what happens. So there'd probably be a lot more fighting. It'd be like Smash Bros. A lot more hitting people with nets. Use a fighting system. That'd be good. Use your axe, your pole, your fishing lure. 
terrible. Look, here's the thing about Tom Nook keeping you captive on that island. The premise of the game when you start it is that you want to go to the island. It's like if you started Super Mario being like, but what if I don't want to save the princess? That's the whole premise of the game is that you want to be there. You're not being held against your will. Otherwise, there's no game. You're, the, the way out of it is just not to play it. Didn't you propose this question where we would think of him as the villain? Or is yes, that, I did, but I'm, still, uh, but I'm <laughs> still stuck on the fact that, like, isn't he the villain? He's not. Whatever. Yeah. Anyone who's rich is the villain, Jaffe. There Deal you. with it. Uh, Tom Nook, uh, how do you know he doesn't give all his money to charity? Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, w- what is he doing that with that money? That's an excellent question. Yeah. I think I think this was answered in the mobile game. I'm, I'm actually this isn't a joke. I think I remember someone tweeting uh, some dialogue from Tom Nook from the mobile game where he explains that all of his money goes to charity or something like that. Oh, there you go. I think they're retconning that. They're trying. They, oh they yeah, saw, totally. They're yeah. softening him up. That's not good. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> They saw the internet response and they were like, uh-oh. Well, I don't, I don't think the mobile game's canon. Come on, folks. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it does not prob- take place in the continuity. I mean, to be fair, the mobile Kingdom Hearts game is supremely important to understanding the plot of Kingdom Hearts 3. So just because it's a mobile game doesn't mean it's not canon. Is Tom Nook in it? Um, Good question. One or two acquisitions from now, he will be. <laughs> yeah. I don't think Nintendo wants to buy Square Enix, though. No. No, no, they're good with their own IP. They they don't they don't acquire IP. Realistically, like you know, the way it would play in the game uh, would be that you would find all of these cool items, or like you know, your your neighbors would give you a cool gift, like a lamp shaped like a banana or something, and you literally couldn't afford to keep it because you had to sell it to him because your interest rate is just keeping you in in uh, eternal debt. So you'd have an empty house and you'd just be uh, scrounging for garbage and fishing just to give to Tom Nook to try to get your life back in balance. Tom Nook the grifter. It would be like in Japan. Actually, this is sort of a double-edged situation, but the older your car is, the more you have to pay for like registration and taxes every year. Uh, And the intention is, of course, to force people to have cars that are more fuel efficient and newer safety standards and all that kind of stuff. But if you need a car to drive to live and you can't afford to get a new car, then you wind up paying these uh, wild premiums for something that's older and breaking down more often. And I feel Mm. like some aspect of that could work um, based on what Frank's saying about like, you know, what if you had to rent not not rent, but pay dues on that banana lamp. Um, right. Yeah. Um, Something like that. Collect the lamp tax. Mm-hmm. All right. Ask and answered. Question number four. Which corporate mascot has the most potential as the star of a great video? Good question. Thank you. Well, we've already had like, you know, Noid and Chester Cheetah and all these guys. So did we have Chester Cheetah? Yeah, uh, we had yeah. Chester Cheetah. Twice. Yep. Had him twice. Wild Wild Quest. And um, what's the other one? Too cool for... Too something. cool, something. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you're <laughs> Got right. Got cool in the name. I don't think um, it was masterpiece. There's a bunch of Amiga games too, with all the weird like Kellogg's mascots, like a Tony the Tiger game, and all these things. It's, it's really yes, weird. I, I was also going to bring up Tony and Friends in Kellogg's Land. Look it up. Made by Factor Five. Soon after wow. Super Turrican. Nice. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Who yeah. would be the best? Maybe maybe uh, some sort of flow from progressive adventure game. <laughs> <laughs> You have all these magical insurance tools and it's just, you know, it's, 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 it's all just to sell you stuff, you know, but still. 
My <laughs> girlfriend actually has fond memories of a, what was it like Snap, Crackle, Pop? Oh man, I can't remember. But oh no, it was Captain Crunch. Um, she didn't have access to a lot of games as a youth, and but she got this CD-ROM of Captain Crunch games in in a cereal box and was allowed to play it. And so like some of her formative game experiences surround this Captain Crunch like, <laughs> mini game. Wow. From a cereal box. Not quite Chex Quest, but still. No, no, no. Not no. Quite. What about Count Chocula? I, I, I think I would like a Count Chocula game. Well, you got to get the other Halloween bros with him. It can't just be Chocula. It can't, I guess. Well, you're going to disappoint the Frankenberry fans. That's true. Okay. But the I, fruit brute contingent is huge. It's really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, yeah, it's okay. Cerealvania, and you're armed with like a spoon and like one of those Candyland esque stripy shirts and a blue eyed blonde haircut and you gotta munch your way through the castle and uh booberry and frankenberry are all uh bosses in the game and you have to work your way up to count shock i was gonna take the uh, the complete opposite direction and have you be count chocula and the others depending on the level and you are trying to stop the kids from eating all your dang cereal i, I was still thinking of vania like but it's also a tower offense type game where you are you're sending waves of of your little minions against the hero as they come through this zone and it like you know that i want to be the guy type of masso core platformer mm-hmm. if you as the player controlled all the traps and tricks that would be the scenario so like when the uh, you'd have to be like rapidly setting up spring things springy things on platforms or whatever to try to get your your uh hero to fall to its untimely demise and then you have to trigger them when they get into the right spot so it'd be a mix of castlevania uh kagero's deception and i want to be the guy so but you play as chocula and so and your pitch the to the uh general mills corporate is that you want to create a game <laughs> yeah. that keeps as many mm-hmm. people as possible from enjoying your product yes yeah well but isn't that the premise of so many of these like the the tricks rabbit the the kids don't want the tricks rabbit to have because they want the kids to eat the cereal not the rabbit well like the the noids purpose as an advertising figure is to ruin pizza he's the protagonist so you know also in 2021 i think all bets are off like we we can have a kfc (laughs) dating sim i think we can do this and the pitch to to general mills is general mills kellogg whoever does it is if count chocula doesn't want us to have this it must be great like what, what else don't they want us to know about this cereal i want to slip in mine real quick which is a uh mr clean uh 2d side scrolling game oh um, yeah where your mop is uh sort of your multi-purpose tool so you can pole vault with it you can uh scrooge pogo with it you can uh hook onto things and swing with it. And you can, of course, mop up the, the filthy enemies uh, roaming the streets with it. I like this. And I would like to make one uh, feature request, which is that on, uh, for example, ice levels, or after you have already cleaned an area, you can slide along the floor yeah, on your, absolutely. on your bald head. Yes. <laughs> yeah. On your head. I see. On okay. your, on your shiny bald head, because it's, okay. it's, his head is so shiny and clean that I always thought he should, he should, he should be like breakdance style, just spinning around on these clean floors. That's what I think. Yeah, that could work. Or there could be puzzles where you have to redirect light sources using his head. Oh, yeah. You know, so like, oh, like hit like a mirror. A and yeah, exactly. Um, yep. I think Uncharted also just puzzles. 
visually in my head, you know, stop me if this isn't going to work for uh, the Mr. Clean company. But um, I'm thinking really low res polygon uh, that's captured Donkey Kong Country style and just kind of looks awkward for uh, for the characters. Sure. Fine yeah. with me. Nice okay. little old fashioned like Silicon Graphics, Mr. Clean or something. <laughs> exactly. Right. But like not very good, but yeah. also like a million frames of animation. Perfect. Yeah. Like he looks weirdly fluid. Yeah. Topher, who are, who are we missing? We, uh, is the Green Giant have a game already? I don't no, think so. There's so many weird so. mascots. There's like a, what, like the Maytag Repairman. Would that be a game where you just go around <laughs> fixing stuff? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, yeah. That's, a, that's like a Diner Dash management game where you're, you're going around and you got to. Uh, you know what, Jaffe? I think this is a good lightning round. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I might, right I might pitch you some mascots in a future episode. After yeah, that sounds that sounds good to me because now that now that I'm thinking about it, if I know what the mascot is, like Green Giant. Oh man, I just want to murder kids again in, in this. <laughs> <laughs> All the kids that are tra- yeah, climbing up his beanstalk. Which, which corporate mascot would be the best at murdering children? <laughs> yeah, these are the questions I need answered. I'm voting for the me want honeycomb guy. What's, what's that guy called? He's called the Craving. <laughs> Is wow. he really called The Craving? Yes. No, thanks. I'd watch that movie. <laughs> All right. If there was a Friends video game, what would the strats be to speedrun it? <laughs> uh, well, oh, first man. of all, there is a Friends video game on the PlayStation 2. Okay. So let's ignore that one. It's just a <laughs> trivia game, but it's real. It's a real product that you could buy physically. Friends. Uh, what's it called? Hang on. It had a really well, dumb I, name. I it's I probably the, the strat- one with the trivia. I'm guessing. I think that's it. Yes. There Friends, the one with all the trivia. Oh, uh, I was close. Yeah. I think the strat for speedrunning that one would be to know all the answers to the yeah. questions. Right. There you go. Next <laughs> question. I figured it out. Oh, you're speedrunning this topic. So we're we're assuming probably that this is like, it's probably not a relationships game. It's probably like a, are we thinking like a big head platformer where you can play as all your favorite friends and jump on? I was on. thinking immersive GTA style sandbox game where you can play as all the friends. Oh, nice. Okay. And you got to get to cafes or what, whatever they do in that show. Smelly cat minigame. Mm. Mm. Is there yeah. a issue? You just have to like break up and then reconnect with Ross and Rachel over and over again, like at a, at a super fast speed. Right. Find some right. kind of strat to go ahead and change their relationship super fast or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> if you hold a certain combination of buttons during the first breakup, you skip all the way to the. I think okay. you could, you might be able to get people in a uh, breakup makeup loop where right. if you put you like you place the right objects around them like a thing that made rachel mad but there's a a, a thing that makes ross remember how how good they were together oh and, now it's like pac-man 2 style where right you have to like place things in their way <laughs> yeah and so they're just like as one of them is about to storm out then they see this photo of them together on a trip they had that was nice and they're like oh but still and so they they you just ping pong them back and forth between these objects and they're um, breaking up and getting back together. And uh, still no one cares, but you know. I don't remember the, the name, but there was a, there's a little monkey in like the first two seasons or something right. like that, right? So uh, Marcel. I think a speedrun strat would be to uh, find a way to not trigger the cutscene where the monkey dies yeah. uh, so that you could continue using monkey strats for the rest of the game. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, late game friends isn't built for monkey strats. Exactly. So I think you're mm. gonna you're gonna really break the game pretty good with monkey strats. Uh, oh yeah, by season six, break yeah, it wide okay. open. What if you play as Joey, but you put all your stats into intelligence instead, oh, uh, man. and it breaks the game? 
Yeah, that invalidates like a full third of the plot. So you're skipping a lot of episodes there. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so I feel like that might really um, help speed us through. Sure. So, so technically to speed up a sitcom, what you'd have to do is have the characters all be more well adjusted, not lie to each other. Yeah. Just be sort of reasonable, normal people who, you know, go to work and don't have a lot of free time. And then all the plots, you can just skip all those. So you're talking right. about the therapy patch. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Well, that would speed it up considerably. Skip intro when you're binge-watching it on Netflix. That'll speed it up. Yeah, if, what if uh, <laughs> what if life um, wasn't going to be this way? I was I was trying to reference the intro, and then I realized... What I if forgot. someone actually explained that life will be this way? Yes. Mm. Then you would know the strats ahead of time. And yeah. things would go your way. And your life would not be a joke, and you wouldn't be broke. Yeah, you'd have a lot of money. And yeah, monkey what? strats. <laughs> You know what? Their love lives were not DOA. Similar to the old Seinfeld, where they're always complaining about, I can't get dates. Nobody loves me. (laughs) You got new dates every episode. Come on. Every dang episode. How many diseases have the friends spread among the uh, community of. Where where are they? New York? Philadelphia? Uh, New York, the fifth character. Okay. It doesn't look (laughs) like New York in any capacity to me. A giant apartment? Of course it's New York. (laughs) Yeah. All right. We're going to be right back after a quick break. You sent us homework 40 minutes before the show, and I literally just saw this email. Okay, so just do it before the break. I haven't seen it. It has happened occasionally on this show where I've made a reference to a thing and nobody knew what I was talking about, and I'm trying to preempt that. Welcome back to Insert Credit. I'm Thank here you. with uh, Frank Cifaldi, Brandon Sheffield, and hey, Topher Florence. Time to reach into the dirt bag. Every week, we select one question from our Patreon subscribers at patreon.com slash insert credit, where you can get access form that allows you to submit these questions, uh, episodes from our feed one day early, and exclusive bonus content every month. Uh, this week's question comes from Mox Bagel, who asks, In an alternate reality, your favorite game that deserved a sequel but never got one just had its 10th game. What is oh. it like? Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Might be. So I guess um, we need to figure out what those games are like. Well, the the one that comes to mind for me, because, I mean, you know, we're improvising here, folks. We don't have these questions ahead of time. So someone mentioned Pac-Man 2 earlier, and I always wished that they had followed that idea up and made it weirder. But by the 10th game, it's probably just reverted to being like an FMV game or something. Yeah. Pac-Man 2.10. Yeah. Who plays Pac-Man in Pac-Man 2.10? Ooh, uh, probably Ryan Reynolds. Sure. Um, I need to make a snarky comment at you at the screen. It's already fourth wall breaking, so yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I'm thinking about a game like Shatterhand, for example, which should have gotten some sequels and probably would they probably would have been cool through the Genesis Super Nintendo era. The PS2 one's really bad, though. The PS2 one is is awful. The PlayStation one one was like a was like a reboot of the series, but d- didn't go anywhere. The PS2 one was like budget because um, at that at that point you could pick out the license for cheap. And then uh, in the 360 era they tried to have like an american team do it or maybe they, they might have already done that in ps2 but they tried again they had like who's that group that did like the the american earth defense force what were they called it's like vicious cycle but anyway wh- one of those kinds of groups do a, a gritty reboot and that one would also be bad and so i feel like the 10th one is going to be like some 
original fan of Shatterhand who comes back and does. Oh, I was like going to be a Shatterhand mania. Yeah. 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 And I think so. I think this one's actually going to be good. And the Shatterhand fans are going to be like, finally, this is what we were asking for the whole time. Just do and this. And they'll never do another one. And then they'll never do another one. And that's it. It's kind of cheating to say I'm Jammer Lamb because that is technically a sequel. But I feel like if that had kept going, it, it probably would have just like there's a, there's only so much whimsy you can have. And then like yeah. pack in. I, I love it. It's a great game. But if it had kept going over the years, it probably would have just evolved and had eventually just. Well, yeah, I, I mean, know. you look at Katamari, the whimsy is sort of rote at this point and kind of by the numbers sort of thing. And that's why they haven't made new ones. But at the same time, the re-release of the uh, original on Switch sold like gangbusters. So hard to say. Like maybe there is a way to do to keep innovating on on Jammer Lamy. Or at least like since we're talking about the 10th, it feels like whatever you've done has cycled all the way back around to where Mm -hmm. it could be something else now. Yeah, I have to admit it. 10 games in, I would love to read the lore on a 10 games in on Jammer Lamy wiki, though. That'd be great. Right. Oh, yeah. One of them would require the iToy, I think. Like, that, they would use that as the app to sell the iToy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, the question is, would they call it the Um Jammer Wiki, or would they call it Lammypedia? Probably Lammypedia, I think. Probably so. Lammypedia, yeah. yeah. There's a game called Linda Cube, which I have brought up a little bit in the past, which is a weird RPG that was pretty popular in the, um, in the 90s. But it just kept the original game kept re- getting re-released and tweaked. But I think if every time there was a new game in this series, it was like cubed and then it was to the ninth power and then it was just exponential <laughs> more numbers every time. Right. And by the 10th one. Yeah, don't don't ask me to do math here, but, you know, what, whatever the 10th the exponent of three is, that would be pretty interesting as a title, at least. Could you imagine the, uh, the Breath of the Wild or for Frog the Bell Tolls? Yeah. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be pretty weird. (laughs) I want to play that. I just want to play For the Frog the Bell Tolls again. That's what I want to play. Send it to me. You can. (laughs) I can. I can just do that right now. I'm waiting for that pocket. Let's stop the show right now and all play For Whom the Frog Bell Tolls. Okay, we're back. That was a great game. (laughs) And not bad, right? Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, it's pretty good. You know, you you talked it up a lot, but I really enjoyed myself. (laughs) Yeah, good. Uh, All right. Here's our next question. What are the good Twitch streams and Let's Plays for the Discerning Dirtbag? Oh, I don't think Brandon and I are very good at this. Yeah, this is tough for mm. time. Uh, there are a lot of good, I don't know, it's, 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 good. it's tough to say. My, but one of my favorites right now is uh, Video Chess. She is a lot of fun. She has, uh, she kind of plays obscure games and... She, but she, you know, she plays modern stuff too. She's very good at doing what she calls crimes, which is digging into the mechanics of a game and sort of breaking <laughs> it and going through different like stress that are almost like speed run stress. But, you know, sort of just seeing how far she can take the the limits of the game's design itself. She has like a cool uh, bot where you can type in chat and, you know, the, the bot will speak in like the Half-Life voice for the, the Half-Life, like the, the speaker system. Or you can type in like musical notes and it'll play a little song. It's kind of chaotic. Oh, that's it's cute. very playful. It's very fun. I, I, I like her stream a lot. I have one that I really liked that's, um, I mean, it's kind of old now. It came out six years ago, but um, there was a series by many a true nerd called Fallout New Vegas. You only live once. And the premise was that he wanted to see if you can complete Fallout New Vegas on one health bar without ever healing yourself. Um, huh. And it took him forever. 
but he, he did it in one playthrough. But like, I really like the idea of very slowly ingesting and thinking about a game like that. I think it just puts you in a different sort of mind space than you usually get from watching someone just play a game. Um, and so he knew this game inside and out. So he could, you know, he, there'd be like a boss encounter coming up or something that you're supposed to just be healing yourself. And and he would really have to know like, okay, he's going to come around this side and start planting some mines here. I think that'll set off this thing. And, and just like watching someone meticulously play a game that they know very well in a way that you're not supposed to and then and actually succeed because he, he, he managed to do it was a lot of fun. And it was it was always a really big moment when he actually took some damage too. You're always just like, no, <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, by the end of the game, he's got like two hits left and he's done. Right. Um, I, I enjoyed that. I thought of one, which is Lance McDonald, who did those PT playable trailer um, unseen content exposés where he went through um, with like various hacking tools and stuff and figured out kind of how the game was being built, how it looped, uh, got out of bounds and went into the world of Silent Hill to see that there was actually more stuff outside of the apartment complex and stuff. I I like that kind of thing because um, when you've got a game like PT that first of all barely existed and second of all got canceled, but people actually liked it, to see everything about that game or the things, imagine the ways that the developer might have been trying to take things. That That's pretty fun for me. So I like those world-breaking and unseen content kind of things. Right. It seems like uh, overall you guys prefer streams and Let's Plays where people play the game wrong. Mm, I don't know if it's necessarily wrong. It's more exploring deeply a game that they're you know familiar with that oh that, yeah, yeah that's, just taking that's a nicer it to the way to look level. at it yeah it's something more than playing it it's investigating it rooting through it while you're doing whatever you're doing because i would really have to like a person to enjoy just watching them randomly play a game and talk about it unless they have some historical bent or some thing that they know about the game that i don't that they want to show otherwise it's just i don't want to say well i guess i'll just say it it's a waste of my time (laughs) (laughs) because i can play a game and have thoughts about it by myself i want to learn something i understand that people really like watching these and because it's it's got this kind of friendly atmosphere and stuff but for me i find myself frustrated i was watching the retro pals um danny cowan and co is that what they're called retro game pals something like that. retro pals yeah retro pals yeah yeah um i watched them a few times and, you know, I like Danny. They choose good games that I like. But watching them play the games was so frustrating to me because they would, like, miss a lot of important stuff or they would just be like, I wonder why this is this way. And I would be like, I know exactly why it's that way. Why don't you know? <laughs> yeah, I feel like maybe regular Let's Plays are more like Let's Hang Out than Let's right. Examine This Video Game. Yeah. And, and yeah. I think you and I in particular, Brandon, just don't want that. No. No, you, you no don't thing. want video friends. I don't even like hanging out with people in real life, man. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, Frank and I live a couple yards from each other, and we, we uh, see each other outside the house by accident um, and wave at each other. <laughs> and that's enough. <laughs> that's enough for me. That's what we got. It's a healthy relationship. That's right. <laughs> All right. In the latest Scooby-Doo series, Scooby-Doo and Guess Who, Scooby and the gang interact with guests in every episode, like Wonder Woman, Steve Urkel, Wanda Sykes, 
Steve Buscemi, the Funky Phantom, Halsey, Joey Chestnut, and Abraham Lincoln. Wow, those are just actually, some examples. Those okay. are just exactly some examples. like the mm-hmm. credit show. <laughs> Which video game characters should be in the next season, and what should their episodes be about? Sonic. So did Jaleel White re- reprise his role as Urkel for this show? Yes, he did. Is that yes. the first time he's done that? Are you asking, did he do that? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I think that you should have Jaleel White reprise Urkel and Sonic. Sonic the Hedgehog in the same episode and the episode is about how sonic has to quickly go around and fix up all the things that urkel is accidentally breaking and the scooby-doo team they think that all the all the breakage of things uh is some sort of a plot and cover-up for some sort of man in a ghost suit and they figure out it's steve urkel and sonic the hedgehog of course yeah that's right so does the gang unmask the guest at the end or is that the no, premise? They, they, the premise is they work with the guest to solve the mystery. Got um, it. Okay. 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 How about this? How about if the ghost and Pac-Man are actually real estate villains the whole time? Oh, man. Oh, you cracked this wide open. <laughs> they're they're all scare you out of that pellet, man. They're evil Tom Nook. <laughs> okay. I'm into it. So Pac-Man is helping them uncover this scam. Right. Exactly. You bring back all the characters from the Hanna-Barbera Pac-Man show from Pac-Land. Sure. Pac-Man and Baby Pac and Pac-Man's cool nephew or whatever. And <laughs> they, they still own the rights. Yeah, sure. They, it's all Hanna-Barbera. It's all good enough. Yeah. So <laughs> they get stuck in Pac-Land and it's like, you know, the mystery machine breaks down. And so Pac-Man helps them out. And he's like, oh, we're experts at ghosts. We can help you with this. So, you know. One challenge here is that if the ghosts are real estate villains, correct me if I am totally off base here, but I always felt like Pac-Man was a pretty capitalist character. He's all about consuming these shiny gold coins and stuff. I feel like he would he would like you them more. You think he's more eating gold? He's n- it's not necessarily gold, but it's shiny. I, I thought they were just like pellet food, like an animal would eat. Yeah, I mean, I think it's supposed to be pellet food, but what what's that shiny one? Why is it shining? Um, because it's, it's radioactive. It's gilded. One time in Hong Kong, uh, I was hanging out with a friend and his friend, and that friend had reserved high tea four months ago because that was like that was how long the waiting list was for this particular high tea place, which was on the river. There are like junks floating by and stuff. Uh, they only have junks for tourist reasons anymore, but still, it looked really cool. And uh, it just happened that we were there at the same time. And so he was like, my reservation is for four, but there's only me. So you can come. And so the the tea that he ordered, which cost $150 by itself, it was like one of those open flowering teas, but it was entirely encased in gold leaf. So you would <sighs> pour the water in and then it would bloom open and all the gold would like flat swirl around this it's obviously a clear pot so you can see all this happen and we were being all like oh man yeah you can really taste the gold it really makes this better uh, obviously <laughs> we, we could not and it did not but um uh so that's probably what pac-man is eating those shiny pellets are gilded flowery 150 dollar tea things from uh high tea in hong kong okay so pac-man can be eating gold we have established so pac-man is a capitalist character Back to our original point you were making. And these ghosts are land developers. So where's the conflict? The conflict is in Pac-Man wanting to take them down. Like he's supposed to be helping the mystery t- mystery crew. What, what do they call themselves? Uh, mystery Incorporated. Mystery Incorporated, yeah. Uh, he's trying to help out Mystery Incorporated. But then he finds out that the ghosts are actually doing something that he would like to do himself. Although, I guess capitalists also hate each other. 
So maybe right. he wants to eat them and take over their business. So maybe that's what happens at the very end. He does clear out every maze at the end of it. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. So they've been developing land. Yeah. And the mystery, uh, mystery incorporated is like it's on a burial ground, and that's why all these spooky things are happening. But in fact, it's just because they are um, capitalists with no no care for uh, humanity or culture. And then Pac Man helps uncover it, and then he eats them, and then he takes over the project himself. And then Mystery Incorporated gets kicked out. <laughs> Absolutely terrific. Yeah. Well, that's one episode. We got twenty five more to go. Okay. Um, Mystery Incorporated meets Kids Incorporated. Okay, that's it. What that's there? the premise. Oh, they're both uh, they, incorporated. They, they sing. It. Yeah, they sing make, mostly. One one incorporates the other. Yeah, and the, it's and, a merger. Yeah, the, and it's the actually episode, an origin yeah. story for the the ghost real estate guys. Yeah. Oh, oh, I want MC Hammer. MC Hammer from the MC Hammer cartoon and his dancing shoes. Sure. Who are they fighting in that one? Who's the bad guy in the MC Hammer? The bad guy is uh, a ballet ghost that requires a. A dance off and doesn't believe in um modern dancing but he shows the power of dance and they're impressed and then move along okay uh we got three episodes i think that's enough for a netflix deal uh here is yeah. our next question this one comes from the winner of last week's episode liz ryerson who asked nice what would a doc future prestige tv show look like <laughs> well <laughs> Let's hear about it without without breaking any NDAs. Right, uh, Wandavision, but but good. I don't know. That'd be weird. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I do like the uh, trapped in the sitcom sort of ideas. Like that is sort of a very small genre of thing. I do like sitcoms a lot, so it's, it's kind of a thing like that where I it's 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 very hmm. I don't know. Well, so I've enjoyed when you critique one sitcom from inside of another one, and I feel like there's got to be something there where you can, uh, like, matryoshka nesting dolls of universes. Yeah. You know, we were talking about our holodeck idea, and it reminds me of, like, I'm going to spoil Life on Mars US, which is a very silly idea. Okay. <laughs> it, okay. It, it, was, it was ridiculous. The concept was, in, at the very end, they were literally on a spaceship going to Mars, and all of the idea that he was in a 70s police detective thing was just, like, sort of a, like a, like a holodeck dream in his mind. What? So I do like that idea. I like the idea that someone, let's say, is on a spaceship. Let's say they're remembering a sitcom, but the, the file itself of this holiday program is being corrupted from the outside, you know? So it's, it's sort of falling apart in there. I like the idea of making the it was all a dream thing actually good and part of the point where, like, you, do, you don't necessarily know that it's all a dream every time, but somehow the type of dream is progressing and leading towards something. And you know it's going to end at the end of every episode. You're not going to be in, in Friends or Space Lab anymore. But there's a, a narrative through line that happens across. Is this what WandaVision does? I actually haven't watched it. Uh, sort of. It's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Okay. The, 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 the dreamy things do lead somewhere, yes. Okay. Yeah, there's like a through line of all the beginning of sort of episodic of different kinds of sitcoms. And, it's, yeah. and the weird like subconscious dreamy things end up having a conscious point toward the end okay yeah i'm a little out of the loop on this because i i uh don't really even know what it is so uh, my I impression of wandavision one. is that it's kind of like disney mandalorian in that it starts kind of interesting and then becomes a commercial film. yeah there's an episode of the x-files where where a guy creates the brady bunch like with psychic powers 
And he's just because of his trauma. And I'm like, this is just that's just what WandaVision is, just a two hundred fifty million dollar version of that. You know, it's very weird. <laughs> nice. Um, I guess taking it further and having it be a critique of one from inside another appeals to me somehow. It's like a like a space ghost taken to a, a, a second level of abstraction. It's making me think of the uh, reality show spoof that I know you and I both watched Sex House. Oh, oh Sex yeah. House. I love Sex yeah. House. Fantastic. Yeah. So maybe it's maybe it's like that, but with sitcoms. Yeah, I feel like Sex House, that really worked in its era because there wasn't a whole lot of stuff like that. And I feel mm. people would be tempted to take it too far over the top too fast now. Mm-hmm. But I think if you could do it in a restrained way, I think that's still a very compelling concept. Well, I mean, you're talking about WandaVision, which the first two episodes like didn't even break the conceit that it's just old sitcom. So, you know, mm-hmm. the really popular thing right now is doing a slow delivery. So maybe people will be inspired by that. Yeah. Right. We're living in a post Twin Peaks, the returns. Right. <laughs> I think that could work out. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Critiquing something from said there's a show coming out called Kevin Can Fuck Himself. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. I saw the ads for that. Yeah, which is like a parody of like, you know, King of Queens and Kevin Can Wait. And it's about like a sitcom wife. She's in the sitcom, but she's experiencing it as a drama mm. while he's experiencing it as a sitcom. So it's kind of a perception twist to that. That's kind of interesting. I can see like that working out as my as my quote unquote prestige show. Yes. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I had I just watched King of Comedy based on people's multiple people's recommendation of it. And I hated it. But uh no, okay, hated is is the wrong word. I'm trying to not be a negative weirdo on this show. Um, I didn't hate it. I was made to feel very uncomfortable by it, which I believe was the point. Um, so um, yeah, you know, I had the correct response. But in order to make myself feel more comfortable, like it says that it's a comedy on like the info page, it says it's comedy. It's not funny at all. But if I pretended that it was like a Seinfeld episode where I was supposed to laugh at these characters and their mishaps, then it was easier and more palatable for me to get through the movie, which <laughs> I, which was really weird. And But it sounds exactly like that premise there where like I, I mentally had to make a shift to be like, all right, what if I pretended this was a comedy? Then maybe I would feel less anxious about it. And so I, I kind of went through that path of like, this is clearly a drama that's designed to make me feel uncomfortable. But then I realize it's not that different from a Seinfeld episode. Uh, we're up to our 10th question. Uh, usually in the 10th question, I like to ask a variation of that old chestnut. What is the Citizen Kane of video games by referring to some other cultural touchstone or shared experience and uh, talking about what the equivalent to that is in the world of video game culture. This week, I am asking you all, what is the dog police of video games? <laughs> right. So, okay. Dog- Dog police is the uh, Jaffe just sent this to us before the show, uh, but not to Topher because um, he already knows what it is. But that's the kind of weird one off band slash song slash video experiment from some jazz fusion people uh, where they rip off Spider-Man lyrics from some kids show and sing about dog police coming for their girlfriend. Right. Right. And there was also uh, a weird TV pilot where they're from space and the young Adam Sandler is in it. It's very weird. Adam Sandler's in that, huh? Yeah. Uh, It aired uh, semi-frequently for about a year on MTV. And it was like in that era where there wasn't a lot of music videos. So like pretty much anything anybody made would get on there. And it was just 
in circulation along with these like huge stars at the time and it's become this kind of weird historical musical artifact that only people who are watching that specific time remember so it's an atari game yeah i guess it's an atari game <laughs> uh-huh. there you go yeah it's, it's an atari game that someone parents bought for five dollars in 1983 like when the crash was happening yeah yeah and because of that it became not popular but pervasive everyone had it because you got oh, it. it was like something that got overproduced or something yes. yeah yeah so but that's not dog police at first i've heard of dog police on the flip side, it, it might be something like a maybe like a Newgrounds Flash game where mm. something that's just weird and viral and it yeah. just ends up being somehow shared among sure. just a, a group of people who are looking for that kind of thing. You know, like what I mean? a strong bad or something or less popular than that. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it's yeah. got to be a more like dancing hamster. Now, everyone knew that. Dude. No, every, yeah. But as far as games go, maybe <laughs> maybe like the original Frog Fractions or something like that. Yeah. Oh, that's not bad. That's yeah. not bad. That's Could a good be Frog point. Fractions. It what does... did Frog Fractions steal from a Spider-Man cartoon, though? Mm, I'm yeah, reading no. the Wikipedia entry on Dog Police, and apparently it stole lyrics from a Spider-Man cartoon. That's true. It didn't steal anything from there, but it did reference a lot of things. So I okay. think we're in the clear. It, like, as soon as you go up into space on Frog Fractions, spoilers, um, you start, it starts to become, like, briefly a parody of Star Fox. So right. I think that's... It's actually pretty close. That counts. And what is Fox McCloud if not a dog police, you know? Yes. <laughs> That's true. You He's are. very close. He's a dog cop. Yeah, I think that might be the answer. Is Frog, frog Fractions? Frog Fractions is the dog police of video games. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I'm going to have to contact Jim Crawford and see what he thinks about that. I hope he's okay with it. Yeah. Uh, with that, I think it's time to go on to our lightning round. Uh, this week, we're playing a new game that I call Death by Degrees. In this game... I name two video game characters, and your goal is to find a connection between them in as few steps as possible. For example, if I told you to connect Waluigi to Knights, you could say that Waluigi competed in the Olympics against Sonic, and Sonic helped Knights save Christmas in Christmas Nights. Yeah, okay. I have made no attempts to make this easy, so be creative as possible. Uh, We'll start with... Boggy B, the uh, mascot character from Worms, to Tiny Kong from Donkey Kong 64. Okay, well, you're not, you certainly are staying true to your word, but you did not make it easy. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. You know, the worms shoot worms. each other. Worms yeah. shoot each other. Uh, yeah. That's all they do. They can slink around, too. Uh, well, was there I a Worms game on the 64? Probably. I feel like it was on everything. That's, yeah, hence the probably. Um, but, okay, uh, and then what is this Kong? It's like a tiny Kong. Tiny Kong. Um, I assume they can jump. Sure. And I don't know. I'm feeling a banana thing here, maybe. But isn't it supposed to be character connections, or is that not important? If you can manage it, yes. But otherwise, no. It's because fine. I was just going to say they both have games on the N64. All right. That's good. If that's the best you can manage, then the point the goes best to I can manage. Even if it's not true, it's true. It yeah. is true. Oh, the point true. goes okay. to whoever can come up with the best connection. I feel like uh, Funky Kong is an arms dealer, so he probably deals with all those you know weapons the worms would have. So you know, it makes sense. But oh, we're absolutely. not talking about Funky though. We're talking about Tiny. We're talking Funky and Tiny. They're in '64, so you know. Right, Tiny works for Funky. Does he? Okay, See, I didn't re- know this. I didn't yeah, know. Tiny this. reports to Funky. Okay, Who, who's Chain Diddy's command. dad? Daddy. Uh, we, we don't know who Diddy's <laughs> Daddy dad. Kong. We don't know Diddy's dad. Okay, thank you. Uh, next is Shodan, the big AI villain from System Shock 2, to uh, Commander Shepard, the protagonist of the Mass Effect. Are they, are they supposed to be real connections, or are we making them up? Just, You're making just, them up. 
Oh, okay. Because your example was real. Yes, I know. So that, <laughs> that confused me. Okay. All right. So um, that might have been a mistake. <laughs> yeah. The AI in System Shock was created by the scientists of Black Mesa, uh, and okay. it, it became so uh, self-aware enough that it created. Was it Cortana? Sure. That was next? Uh, Cortana is in Halo, yes. Who, but who, is, who am I connecting where, where to? Where are you going with this? I forgot who I'm connecting to. That's oh, the, the main guy from Mass Effect. Oh, shoot. Well, I okay. went totally off the rails. All right. See you next. <laughs> Goodbye forever. You, you, can, you can go pretty pretty similar by saying that, you know, the AI from the, the Shock universe, or whatever you want to call it, was the, the same as the, uh, you know, whatever AI is in Mass Effect. Sure, yeah. there's a bunch of AIs in there. The press. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> All right. Man, I, I I don't know how I got on that uh, Halo train. I was like, okay, I need to connect it to Cortana from Halo. That's just like... <laughs> and then it'll all make sense from there. That's, that's, a, gravy, that, that's a gravy train but I That was ride. my end point. That was what I was trying to get to. I don't know what happened. <laughs> well, I right. got there, so good job. Yeah, I did it. Huang Lee from GTA Chinatown Wars to Axel from Kingdom Hearts. Who is Axel from Kingdom Hearts? He's the one with the red spiky. Is he? It doesn't help me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, let's, let's say that the Kingdom Hearts characters are... The, the Kingdom Hearts characters go into Tron, right? Sure. And Tron is a world of video games. And one of those video games could be GTA Chinatown Wars. That's mm. true. So they go inside there and, you know, there's like a GTA style of Donald and Goofy now. And they go in and have to defeat, you know, Wangley's Heartless or whoever it is. And that, could, that makes sense. Okay. That, that's the best one so far. Yes, for sure. Please do the rest of them. Okay. <laughs> uh, the next one is Pimple from Battletoads to uh, the gym leader Brock from Pokemon. All right. Okay, uh, Battletoads have shown that they can cross over with other franchises. Yeah, this uh, seems sure. possible. Yeah, because they, they have teamed up. Uh, in fact, they created the ultimate team uh, yes. when they teamed up with uh, Billy and Jimmy Lee, the Double Dragons. Okay, they, I got uh, a real one. I got a real one. Okay. Battletoads are in Shovel Knight. Shovel Knight is an assist trophy in Super Smash Brothers with the Pokemon trainer who met Brock. Nice. Also, what is a Battletoad if not a grass-fighting Pokemon? That tracks for me as well. Absolutely. (laughs) Our next is the Happy Mask Salesman from The Legend of Zelda games to Ramir, the protagonist of Enix's Brain Lord, Seventh Saga, and Mystic Arc. (laughs) Right. Uh... Well, I mean, that Mask Salesman, I'm pretty sure sales across games i think he he's i forget the the kind of character that the scarlet witch is in the comics where she exists in all universes at the same time kind of thing i feel like oh, it's yeah. probably true of the happy mask salesman he kind of demonstrates that in majora's mask yeah 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 so i think he just sails the seas and, and ends up in other games sometimes but um no one's ever caught him plus you know when you solve a zelda puzzle you feel like a real brain lord yourself so you do yeah. absolutely mm-hmm. And our last one is Blue Suede Goo of the Clay Fighter series to Mr. Rossetti of Animal Crossing. Mm. Blue Suede Glue. Blue Suede Goo. <laughs> so, He's the okay. Elvis in person. You could, okay, okay. There, there, there are ways out of this, theoretically, because you have, depending on how strict you want to be about it, because Earthworm Jim is in that game. Mm-hmm. Curse his name. And, um... <laughs> Earthworm Jim, he's in other games. He's in like Toshin Den. In... Oh, that's right. What is he yeah. in? He's in something else. I don't know. No, he's in something. He's been announced on the Intellivision Amico. Okay. <laughs> and uh, they got, uh, what else they got? Who they Strawberry got? Strawberry Shortcake or something. 
All right. <laughs> We're getting somewhere. <laughs> all right. I see the gears uh, turning. Cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue probably had Strawberry Shortcake. Okay. okay. Um, let, let, let's where am I uh, going? Where that. am I going ultimately? Mr. Rossetti. God. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, he, he has... I, I'm just looking at the Wikipedia here, um, and this is actually real. He and Boogerman hold a strong rivalry between one another. Okay. So... Based on what? Uh, heck if I know. I don't mean the basis of their rivalry. I mean, like, when did they meet? I'm, oh, I think I, in uh, I Clay Fighter. Cleared in Clay okay. Fighter. Oh, okay. yeah. So Earthworm Jim is indeed a secret character in Ballerina Toshinden for PC and uh, is also referenced in MDK. Where does that um, get us? Nowhere. MDK is uh, another game with dog play. Yeah, that's true. Nobody I don't know where that gets us. I will say, isn't isn't one of the secret fighters in one of the Clay Fighter games Santa Claus? Yes. That might be a way. I don't know if it's even secret. Uh, so we're trying to get who to who? <laughs> we're trying to get Blue Suede Goo to Mr. Rossetti from Animal Crossing. Mr. Cross. Rossetti. Oh, yeah, I got focused on uh, Earthworm Jim there. And, <laughs> um, and I'm just making sense. Santa, Santa Claus is a background character in Animal Crossing. He sends a uh, deer to the island to help you know give out presents and everything like that. True. So sure, that could work yeah. out. And uh, Mr. Rossetti and... Santa Claus have an eternal rivalry because Mr. Rossetti keeps wanting to bring... Oh, wait, no. Actually, they work together because Santa needs to deliver all the presents within a certain amount of time, and Mr. Rossetti keeps rolling time back. Oh. Well, I don't know. Mr. Rossetti's job isn't to roll time back. No, his he, job he, is to, his job job is to complain you when, when you, you do it. Back. He's the gatekeeper of chronology. Okay, he doesn't so, want right. you... Yeah. Right. So it's like I thought originally. They are they are uh, enemies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You know, that's absolutely it. Uh, but for actually giving us a legitimate connection mm-hmm. or two, I'm giving the win this episode to Topher. Congratulations. Yeah, I think that's uh, correct. Thank your you. reward is homework. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. going to ask you off mic to come up with a question for next week, and we'll have to answer it in the next show. Uh, right now, though, is the time where we plug our personal projects, if we are so inclined, and also share with our audience uh, some recommendations for ways to entertain themselves until the next episode drops. Yeah, so we were talking earlier about um, telling stories without traditional narrative in games, and it, this wasn't a, an answer really, but uh, it got me thinking about this. Um, I was recently introduced to a pretty cool video about Fantasy Star 4, uh, which I really like, and the video is called Fantasy Star 4 Ludo Narrative and the Artistic Value of Classic Games, and uh, the author, Yaz Minsky, basically describes things that i felt playing that game but didn't quite understand which is that there's a lot of characterization built in the relationships between your party purely through stats and and like the things that you get leveling up um that are extremely clever and so i recommend watching that video if you want to go like oh that's neat that's a neat narrative trick oh what's that brennan what you got Oh, man, you know, usually I got a whole bunch of stuff, and uh, right now I'm I'm drawing a blank. I had a whole bunch of things ready before. Okay, I'll recommend the album The Baddest by Toshinobu Kubota, which is a kind of new Jack Swing and fusiony kind of a Japanese city pop ish deal from the '90s. You can get access somehow to the special edition. He's got this art book in there, which has some real cool graphic design that you may enjoy. But the music itself is pretty good. So give that a listen to. Oh, wait, I have one more. Okay. It is uh, The Change in Times of Ike White, which is a documentary about a kind of failed guitarist named Ike White, who um, he recorded the first ever album in jail. And he was on a trajectory to possibly be something really big. 
but he never made it and he turned into uh, one of those people that we've all probably met who is really extremely talented but is constantly self-sabotaging um and in fear of their own success and uh um, i don't know all- anyone <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, and um and he's also not a great person in many ways as you find out through watching it but it's neither a great documentary nor is it an absolute amazing subject ike white himself he's a great multi-instrumentalist but his lyrics are pretty dumb and his vocals are fine but i find it really fascinating to dive into the life and mystery of something that most people haven't even thought about like his one album that came out was not popular the this documentary in fact has like less than 300 reviews on imdb but it, it just came out in 2019 um and I find it really fascinating to dive deep into topics that are under discussed and maybe not even the absolute most interesting things in the world. But uh, you get to see and think about something you wouldn't have interacted with otherwise. Uh, you know what? Let me let me actually do something a little different. Let me say my friend's uh, blog, my friend Johnny, he's got a blog called Lunatic Obscurity. OK. And it's pretty great. It's, if you like obscure games and things in that subject, he handles stuff that's specifically very like so much stuff on his blog doesn't have any equivalent in english at all so many different japanese games so you know if you're if you're into looking up you know hot nuon or apple pippin or you know that kind of thing that does sound very i've looked at this stuff it's pretty good i'm into the idea that there's still a blog on the internet (laughs) yeah someone's got one Recently exactly. looked into uh, Dinosaurs for Hire on the Genesis. Not a great game, but I'm glad someone's talking about it. Are bloggers now like ham radio enthusiasts? <laughs> yeah. That's mm. pretty close, yeah. Last of a dying breed. Support the Patreon. Absolutely. I have another recommendation, speaking of the Patreon, which is uh, check out our website, which by the time you listen to this, will exist. Hey! Yeah, it's a landing spot for the podcast at this point. Um, so that you can easily access the show and the forums and that sort of stuff. But we'll be adding more as we go along. And I want to say that the reason we could make this uh, website happen at all is because of the Patreon and everybody sending their support because we were actually able to pay someone to do uh, Nick Splendor to do the front end and uh, Necrosoft programmer Shane Marks to do the back end. And that's how we actually made this snazzy new website that you can change the uh the contrast levels on and do all kinds of neat stuff so check it out yeah i'm really excited about that uh speaking of which uh if you would like to do so you could uh go to itunes or spotify or stitcher or any platform where you subscribe to new podcasts and leave one for hours uh you could go to that patreon and become a patron to submit your own questions get episodes a day early and even access to regular bonus episodes and other exclusive content and help the show and its uh related projects grow to uh new environments in the meantime you can join the community at forums.insercredit.com which is fully operational uh and follow us on twitter for our own personal updates and projects the show is at insert credit i'm at alex jaffe frank is at frank Zafaldi. brandon is at necrosofty uh topher what's your twitter at topher florence at topher florence this show is produced by esper quinn with music by kurt feldman once more i'm alex jaffe i'm frank Zafaldi. i'm brandon sheffield i'm topher florence and your game has now been saved
I mean, I've, I think, I've liked these last three shows a lot. Yeah, they've been fun. Yeah, I think they've actually been good. Um, I think I talked a little too much in that last one. I don't. I think I was worried about Dead Space, and I know I shouldn't. No, uh, if you're Esper worried about Dead Space, what you got to do is shoot the arm off of it. You got to shoot the limbs. 